0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host Jake Brainy and on this Thursday, February 21st, it's been a while. Yeah, I know uh, I know I haven't been all that regular with the podcast recently. I know I've had uh, a lot of things going on and I kind of made excuses last couple times around why they haven't been so regular, but I apologize. It's just been a busy time for me. Uh, fortunately, the new year has coming past, so work should lighten up a little bit. And uh, not to mention, I'm in my house fully, which looks great. Uh, special shout out to my girlfriend and her parents for really helping me out a ton uh, while my family is away, and I, ne- I really needed that help to uh, move in. And they set up my TV and and. House looks great. House looks awesome. So anyone anyone that wants to come check it out, please do. I got a fridge full of beer and nobody to drink them. So, gotta come on over. So, but now that that is over, it's exciting times. We'll be bringing back the podcast. Draft season is here. Uh, no draft coverage today, but we will be starting that next week. Where I'll be doing some player profile breakdowns as well as uh, team needs and draft projections uh and then as we get closer to the actual draft we'll be doing mock drafts on a real big board but uh for now we'll just keep it to uh the end of the 2018 NFL season which ended in a 13 to 3 Patriots Super Bowl victory over the Rams uh the highest over under ever ended with the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever pretty crazy that it worked like that you know an actual like mirror effect but uh, it was a very uninteresting game even though people like to say oh it's a defensive battle it really wasn't it was it was poor quarterback play for most of it we know what the patriots do in the super bowl they start slow always because that's just like their mo they they take the first half to get used to what the game flow is and then make it kind of close later in the game and they took their time uh they didn't need a whole lot they scored 10 points in the fourth quarter to uh win 13 to 3 and if you're a gambler Anyone that had 3-3 basically won all the damn money in any pool or any box pool or whatever you had going on. So that was another bummer, but whatever. Uh, The game has passed. Wasn't super into it this year. Commercials were pretty decent. I'll get into those a little later. But uh, the game itself, really boring. And uh, look, what I took from this year wasn't what I usually do. You know, At this point, I'm usually saying, okay, Browns, it's our time to shine. This is a big offseason. We need this. And while I agree that this is a big offseason for the Browns again, because this is the year they're supposed to be becoming a good team. This isn't like no longer trying to be shitty. That was last year. This year, now it's like, all right, let's get up. Let's go. Let's turn ourselves into a playoff team. And that's realistic expectations right now. You look around the league, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of imploding right now. And just not even the league, just the AFC North. Steelers are kind of imploding. You know, Le'Veon Bell was told he's going to be a, uh, an understated free agent, so he's gone. He's leaving the Steelers. Uh, Antonio Brown met with Art Rooney, uh, the Rooney family, and uh, said that they talked it out and that the best for the team was to separate. So it looks like he might be out of town, too. He'll have to be going and trade. So uh, the Steelers will probably get some things in return for these guys a comp pick for Bell and then probably some trade assets for Brown, but you know maybe Big Ben's going to retire sooner rather than later if he sees uh, all of his buddies leaving, and it just seems like this team going in the wrong direction. They lost the division when they had a really good stranglehold on it. The Ravens won it when, really, the Ravens were playing just average football down the stretch, they barely beat the Browns, and the Browns, as we know, finished the year five and two, five and three under uh, under Greg Williams, and uh, you know, and Fre- and Freddie Kitchens running the offense. Things are going in the right way for the Browns. They have Baker Mayfield. They now know, okay, what do we have to do? Uh, I'll get into plenty of what they have to do this offseason next week because this is a special episode that's going to be devoted to uh, the Oscars, but. Just real quick, just want to say, there's going to be a lot of things to cover with the Browns this offseason. It'll be exciting to get to that. Um, In one piece of Browns-related news, they did sign Kareem Hunt, right? Problematic. Uh, Kareem Hunt, as everyone knows, this past uh, November, a video was released of him in Cleveland, ironically, where he's from. He's from Northeast Ohio, where he was in a hotel or casino lobby or something, and uh, was was in some type of confrontation with a girl and she was antagonizing him. And while his friends were trying to uh, restrain him, he they were unable to do so where he tried to punch her, failed, and then eventually like got to kicking her. Uh, a really, really messed up, messy thing. Uh, whether you're drunk or not, there's really no excuse for attacking anyone, um, let alone... You know, a, a woman. So, this is a it's a bad look for the Browns. Uh, it it's you know it did happen in the quiet time in the NFL. So, you know, there's not a whole lot going on right now. It was a little loud for a week, but now no one's really talking about it. We shall see how this goes. I mean, Kareem Hunt he has zero guaranteed money this year with the Browns, so they can cut him and it doesn't cost them a dime this year. He'll be a restricted free agent at the end of this next season. So we'll see how they play this out. But again, it's a, just another guy that John Dorsey is risking it all on. Uh, Antonio Calloway, Tyreek Hill, and now Kareem Hunt twice because he drafted him in Kansas City. So uh, it should be interesting. I, I mean, look, this is a no-tolerance thing, but at the same time, the NFL is, is a business, and they're going to treat Kareem Hunt like an employee of will give you second chances, but you are now going to be monitoring things like that. So uh, it's, it's it's a tough call. It's a bad look for the Browns. They should not have done this. They didn't need him. He doesn't make them that much better. But if they uh, now that they're in bed with him, they better make sure it's, it's worthwhile. Um, I hope that he gets suspended the whole season and the Browns don't have to worry about looking like The bad guys who gave him a second chance. If he's going to be suspended the whole year, but regardless, it's a a fishy. It's a bad topic, bad topic, because even if you just bring it up, it makes you look bad to to even bring it up. But anyway, uh, that's my little piece of the NFL news Uh, In other sports. MLB pitchers and catchers are reporting. Uh, It's been a very quiet offseason. Bryce Harper is still unsigned. Manny Machado just uh, yesterday announced uh, he will be signing with the San Diego Padres, and they will introduce him tomorrow. Ten years, three hundred million dollars, similar contract to what Jose Altuve got. Uh, he has a five-year out, so he can get paid again in five years. But it's 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 interesting, and and I hope Indians fans are are paying attention because Francisco Lindor. They only have for three more seasons before he's going to get a mega contract. And the Indians have never paid a mega contract like this before. I don't think they're going to be able to afford him because Francisco Lindor will deserve more money than Manny Machado. Add in the inflation of what MLB players will be getting paid at this time. And, I mean, he's going to be getting a super max, whatever kind of contract you want to call it, He's gonna earn it, and uh, it's probably gonna be somewhere else, not Cleveland. Uh, it's a real shame, but you know, and especially since the Indians aren't treating this World Series window like it's a window, they've they have one of the league's best players on a rookie deal for the next three years, and all they've been doing is shedding salary. They brought back Carlos Santana, but they got rid of a third of their lineup this year. Lonnie Chisenhall is gone. Uh, Yonder Alonso is gone. Edwin Encarnacion is gone. Michael Brantley is gone. Jan Gomes is gone. Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, gone. Like, they have lost a lot of really good players who have been very important to them the last few years. They have Jose Ramirez. They have Francisco Lindor. They got back Carlos Santana. But uh, it's gonna, it's you know they they traded Yandy Diaz. We waited for Yandy Diaz for so long, and then they traded him the moment his opportunity came up. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, the Indians brass has been very good the last few years. We should give them the benefit of the doubt. But right now, without baseball being played and without getting to see them actually take the field and do well, it's just tough to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'm gonna try and be patient. Thank God baseball is starting up, so maybe we can actually see why they made these moves for some younger guys, cheaper guys. Who knows? Maybe it'll work out. Uh, But we will get to an MLB preview. That is coming up as well. Uh, I'll have Owen Stewart on to discuss MLB predictions for the season. Uh, In the other sports, NBA trade deadline and All-Star break has just passed. Uh, This is a pretty active trade deadline. A couple teams added some uh, some nice pieces. The Cavaliers and the Knicks did their part to rebuild. The Knicks sent off Christophs Porzingis, but they also sent away Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and some contracts that they needed to get out of there. So the Knicks are now set up for two max players as well as a very high pick in this draft. So the Knicks could be turning it around very well this summer um the cavaliers while they still will have a high pick right now it's looking like they're going to be slotted at like that three or fourth spot in the draft and uh in the new lottery settings that could be bad because they could end up with a sixth or seventh pick because it's just giving everybody an opportunity but they did take on some bad contracts and what they got in return for taking those on are some future picks uh they got houston's first rounder this year so We'll see how it goes, Cavaliers. I mean, you know, they have some young players that are exciting to watch. Uh, Jetty Osman has been a lot of fun. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to sit here and, and stand for him all the time because people love Jason Tatum and everything that he does. And I think, honestly, uh, Jetty is is has a very similar skill set, and he could be a good player – almost to the Tatum ability. Now, where Tatum is now, I know Tatum's got a very high ceiling, but you know, I watch their games and I'm like, man, Chetty just needs some better players around him because he keeps on making these great plays but nobody seems to back him up. He has no shooters around him. Now that Kevin Love's back, they start winning games. They just beat Phoenix, I know the worst team in the NBA, but they uh, they look like a squad that knows how to win, not exactly the bottom dwelling team that we've been used to all season. Shocker! Kevin Love comes back and they start playing well. Yeah, I mean people kind of forgot that he has been out for so long. So, but the NBA, you know, it's 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 been hard to watch this year knowing that the Cavs were going to stink. Um, I'm excited for them to get back to possibly. A high draft pick so that they could get back to the playoffs next year. Who knows? uh, Trying not to spend too much attention on the NBA. Uh, Other than that, we've got a big episode today for Oscar preparation. That's what I really wanted to talk about. This is my Oscar preview and predictions episode. Right? I had spent the last couple weeks, while I wasn't podcasting, I was catching up on the Oscar noms because I wanted to come into this podcast ready to roll, okay? The Best Picture category has eight nominees this year. Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. And I am happy to say that I saw six and a half of those eight movies. Tried watching Roma, didn't really work. Uh, I was not loving it. And it just wasn't capturing me, so I'll give Roma the benefit of the doubt in this process. The favorite I did not see; it just wasn't in theaters all that long. And uh, when it was, I saw other movies like Black men Green Book, and Vice. So, but I did get to the theaters, and I will be able to touch on a bunch of these. So, uh, in typical OMMR formats, I would give one minute to each movie that I saw, but. This being a Oscar preview, I'm going to be taking this a little differently, all right? So we're going to go, before I jump into category by category, I'm going to go over the last six movies that I saw recently, not exactly movie, one minute review style, but going about them, letting you know what I thought, okay? The first one was A Simple Favor, Uh, this couple weeks ago, I watched this with my girlfriend where... We decided, you know, just a movie night hanging in, and I heard that this was pretty good, but I didn't really want to believe it because I am not really a Blake Lively believer. I think Anna Kendrick is decent, but I think a little overrated, and uh, it just seemed like it was going to be a nonchalant whatever type movie, but you know what? It was actually pretty good. I was intrigued throughout the most of the movie i thought it was a really good idea they did feel like they skipped around a little too much right like they they had a great idea in place but anna kendrick made some wild assumptions to uh catch blake lively in in this act of uh of basically acting like she had died and it was like i love where they were at with this this would have made for a really nice like mini series because I feel like they had much more to cover on. Uh, this would have made like a really cool like true detective type story, but uh, very cool concept, very cool movie. The ending was kind of garbage. What are you gonna do? Like you know, sometimes the endings are uh, they push it a little bit too much. But uh, again, l- really liked a simple favor. Uh, I think Blake Lively. Now I've seen her in a couple like you know grown up roles. Uh, I got to give her some credit and I will be changing my stance on her right now. I think Blake Lively, you know, not a bad actress. Getting pretty good. Uh, I used to give her crap. I used to think like, oh, she's just, you know, the girl from, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Gossip Girl. And I never really gave her credit as like, you know, acting chops, but pretty good. Uh, She was good in this and Anna Kendrick was pretty good too. Aside from just the ending, I just didn't like how she basically just like morphed her character into someone completely different at the end of this movie. But I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was worth the watch. Decent date movie because it's a bit of a thriller. Like it's like a romantic thriller. Kind of liked it. And uh, I thought it was well done. So I gave it a B plus overall. Okay. Second movie on the list. Watch this one uh, with my sister when we are hanging out Uh taking care of my parents house because uh if i haven't told you my parents are in florida for the month of february and i am in charge of taking care of their house as well as my new house and all the animals that are involved in homes so uh it's been a lot but you know i love my animals so what are you gonna do uh but next up is widows watch this one with my sister when we're watching the house widows was good uh, starts out with a bang. I mean, this movie it it gets you you're on your toes right from the top. The first scene, there's a couple twists and turns throughout the movie, um, and and everybody's acting chops are very good. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Viola Davis. I think she's actually a better actress than Meryl Streep uh, right now. I know everyone likes to you know Queen Meryl and hashtag Queen and everything about Meryl Streep is perfect, but to be honest, if you just look at like the last ten years of their acting, Viola Davis is a better actress than Meryl Streep. So, and uh, I'm living in the here and now, and, and I think she was great in this one, and everyone involved was was really good. Colin Farrell was like this little shit, but very believable, very good at playing the politician character. Uh, Robert Duvall played a really great racist; he was phenomenal at that. But it was just a a, a cool concept of a movie. And I I loved it. I thought it was really good. Another one where the the ending didn't really uh, you know pull it all together like I was hoping it would. But I will say that I don't want to spoil this one because I want people to go see Widows. Uh, I thought it it was it got it didn't get nearly enough uh, publicity for the Oscars. Not saying it deserved uh, a Best Picture nom. But I think it at least deserved best picture nom over at least two of the actual nominees. It was a really good movie. I give it an, uh, a a ninety one on the Jake uh, score. I think it would be a little bit higher had uh, had they figured out a better ending. And uh, I mean, honestly, I, I give it more than a ninety one. I'd probably give it a ninety three. Ninety three seems about fair. Uh, thought the plot was great, the acting was great, it was shot really well music was done well. All in all, just a really, really good movie. Okay. Next up, Crazy Rich Asians. Another one just watched at home. Uh, man, perfect rom-com. There's there's not much else to say here. They they really covered everything. It uh they had the like and if you watch the trailer nothing in this movie is a surprise there's no twists there's really no like shocker or anything like this this is a straightforward rom-com where you have the disapproving mother and the girl going into the scene where she's not welcome she's not wanted but they made this movie really funny uh had a really good acting um uh, from from all around, from, from a bunch of people that I am not really familiar with. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, one of my favorites was in this. Um, excuse me. Um, uh, Jin Yang from Silicon Valley. I think his name is Jimmy Yang. Uh, he was great in this. The lead actor I'm, I'm unfamiliar with. You know, from his prior work, although he wasn't a simple plan, so pretty good two movie run that he had uh, in 2018. But Crazy Rich Asians just solid all round, and I got to think in terms of best rom coms, it's right up there for me as one of the better ones. It's not Crazy Stupid Love, but it uh, it belongs in the conversation. Uh, AquaFina, that was the name. Okay, AquaFina was in this. She was really, uh, really good. Constance Wu, I had never seen before, but she was the main character. She played, she played that really well. And in the later parts of the movies, uh, in the movie, she had a, a great scene with her, uh, with Michelle Yeoh, the mother of her boyfriend, and uh, really like turned the movie on its head at that point because at I was expecting that to peter out like all of those rom coms typically do at that point, and kind of go along with the same typical ending. But they, uh, they, they, they went for it, and I appreciate that they did that, and it turned out really well. I gave th- this is this is probably a ninety two for me, uh, really high. Especially for a rom com, I, I have my all time rom com score of Crazy Stupid Love is a 98. Uh, this might actually be in the 94 range. It is that good. Very solid A altogether. Two thumbs up and uh, four and three quarter stars on the Jake uh, podcast scale. So really, really suggest this. Out of if you see any movie from 2018 in the rom com world it has to be crazy stupid uh crazy rich Asians I always do that okay now for my final three I'm gonna keep this to uh the these final three movies that I saw for this week were all best picture knobs so I'm just gonna roll this right into my Oscars preview all right now the best picture Black Panther Black Klansman Bohemian Rhapsody the favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. We're just going to run right through them, all right? Black Panther, saw this a couple times. The interesting thing about Black Panther is, yes, it was really well done, and it was a good movie, a very great movie uh, villain, comic book movie villain uh, for uh, Eric uh, Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, who had a great 2018, because I thought Creed II was amazing. Uh, I love the Creed movies. You guys know I'm a Rocky fan. And and that I really enjoyed Creed 2 after my podcast from November. But uh, Michael B. Jordan killed it in the role of Eric Killmonger. Unfortunately, it'll be a one movie for him in this franchise. Because they could really use him, but they killed him off in the end of this. Uh, Good movie, but in terms of... If this was the final superhero movie to finally get nominated it really sucks because there's there are so many better ones. Now I know that like sometimes cultural relevance and changing of the guard and turning of the tide these types of things matter to the academy of like what does it have on cultural relevance and I think yes Black Panther is really the only superhero movie that can say they have any cultural relevance. So I'm not like I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying it's a shame that we finally get a superhero movie to get its fair share, and it's not one of the Avenger movies, Captain America Civil War, Civil War, Thor Ragnarok, you know, one of the movies that was just objectively better. But Black Panther was great, the acting was really good, Uh, it was shot so well, beautifully done, and... I think the most impressive thing was the original score. Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Uh, it was nominated for all the stars for best song. He won't be able to perform it, which kind of sucks because it was uh, it was one of the better ones. And had it not had to run into uh, Lady Gaga, it probably would have won. You know, but uh, it, it, it took a masterful Lady Gaga song to dethrone it. So you know, there's nothing n- nothing to be ashamed about there, but. Black Panther was really good. I just uh, felt like you know what, this if none of the ones before it deserved to be nominated, this shouldn't have. But it, again, cultural relevance. It's 2019, and that rolls right into the next one, which will be Black Klansman. But I don't think uh, Black Panther deserves to be the the winner of this category this year. I think uh, nomination finally. You know what? Good for good for superhero movies. Good for comic book movies, good for Marvel, and, uh, and good for the African-American community because uh, it was a really good movie. So, uh, you know, props. Black Klansman, great screenplay. Uh, a lot of people want to give John David Washington a ton of credit. I didn't love his performance. I thought it kind of held the movie back a little bit. I thought it was a really entertaining movie somewhat predictable towards the end which always sucks when like you get these historical films and you get like a predictable ending but so i'm trying to like not hold that against it when i'm rating it by the way i gave black panther two thumbs up but uh with black klansman i thought really entertaining uh adam driver was excellent and not saying that because like it happens to be like one of the few white guys in the in the movie. No, I mean most of the movie is white guys. Uh, I thought John David Washington. I think he's a good actor. I just felt like he held this one back a little bit, and I couldn't help but think of a couple different people in his role that could have been better. But uh, it still was a really good movie. Um, one of my complaints was that the music was way too much like Inside Man, and it was used way too often of this, like, jazzy uh, interludes. I didn't need that, and it took away from the intensity of some of the moments. And that kind of pissed me off because it was a really intense movie, and it should have gone in that direction more instead of these, like... I don't know. I guess you just have to see Inside Man. But if you know the music from Inside Man, you'll know it's like it just takes intensity out and it sucks it out of the room, and to make it like kind of like a storybook movie. And um, you know, I I think that uh, that pulled away from the intensity too much. The other complaint I had was at the end of the movie, it it basically just came into a uh, propaganda film against Trump and his presidency right now they had the upside down black and white american flag they had the you know videos from charlottesville and then it just became like a very heavy-handed you know defense against trump and it's like man you know what i didn't want to get in the middle of a political war if we're talking best picture i don't think that uh that that should be considered uh i think it definitely deserved to be nominated but i think that'll hold it back from actually winning but who knows maybe the academy loves that shit i don't know (coughs) um sorry for the cough didn't hit the button in time okay but black klansman i thought was very good i think it's better than black panther um great story great acting uh for the most part and uh I think, you know what, it's going to come up just short for Best Picture. Next up is Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, uh, every time I criticize Bohemian Rhapsody, people say, well, if you like Queen, it'd be great. I'm like, no, I." that's the part that people are missing. I love Queen. I think Queen's great. I'm a big fan of Queen. I have like, there are at least 10 songs of Queen that I love. It's this movie that I think brings Queen down. I look at it and I say, you know what? Like this, they're not doing Queen justice. You go around, right? You look at biopics of musicians and bands, and they typically never get the credit, or they never live up to the hype, right? Um, and I'm not stealing from lights, camera, barstool. I think they, they're great. And I'm going to take a little page out of what they said because uh, Trill Ballin said it started with Ray, right? You know, Ray was a biopic. Jamie Foxx did it so well. Uh, he sang, he acted, and and, and and like it told a great story, right? It, like everything came together perfectly in Ray. And that's why it was nominated. Jamie Foxx won, and, and, and everything was like it, it, everything worked perfectly for Ray. But, Bohemian Rhapsody fell off at a couple parts because I think a trailer just came out the other day for a movie called The Dirt. It was going to be a Netflix original movie about Motley Crue, a movie that really nobody's asking for, we don't need, and no one's really going to care. But from watching that trailer, I can already tell it's going to be almost as good as this movie was. This Brian May propaganda piece of shit was a decent movie it is nowhere near academy award nominee style movie you take out the one big performance at the end of the movie the live aid performance and you consider the fact that Rami Malek didn't sing and that he just acted why is this movie great why is this movie so good like Rami Malek's performance was very good, but I also, I'll get to that later, not the best performance of the year, his performance was good, the editing was not that good, they had a montage of the American tour, where like, all they did was like, thank you Phoenix, dot dot dot, thank you Cleveland, dot dot dot, thank you Tallahassee, dot dot dot, and like, and just showed them driving around the country while they played a song in the background. I'm like, this movie is supposed to be about a band, and all we see are like 10 seconds of each song of how they came up with it. And it's like, like okay, they give you a little bit here and there, but it's like, it's almost like they took a Wikipedia page and made that the plot. It's very sloppy. Not to mention inaccurate, and... Just reckless, you know. I if if the right a aid, aid, if the live aid performance is what separates this movie from the dirt, the Motley Crue movie, and like you have to be real with yourselves because everyone's gonna mark this movie up because of Queen's music. Well, Queen's music, a like Rami Malek wasn't singing in this, and they weren't playing actual act, the actual instruments. So they were just acting over an already done version of this song. So why should that have to do with how good the movie is? I mean, I could make a pile of crap movie, put Queen's music in it, call it my own, and then people will think the movie's better because it has Queen all throughout. It's one thing to make it an original score, but if you're going to be using all this Queen movie music, Switch this music with the Motley Crue one. This movie is going to be bad. So, like, it. This movie was saved by the fact that people like Queen. No, it just doesn't belong in this category, and I was really disappointed because I just I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. I just don't think it des- belongs up here, and it doesn't deserve any of this praise and recognition. And it's probably going to win some things it doesn't deserve to. So. I give it two thumbs down. Uh, A lot of people are going to enjoy it. The fans enjoy it. My parents enjoy it. I'm like ostracized in my family because I talked against it. But that's how I feel and and I feel like I'm right. Okay, moving on. The favorite. I never got to see it. um, So I'm not going to hold it against it. If it does win, I am going to go see it. And I'll find a way to watch it because I feel like I owe it that much. But for now... I'm holding out on it because uh, it was tough to see eight eight films nominated. Okay, next up is Green Book. Green Book was great. I saw this one twice, actually, uh, because my parent I told my parents when I was visiting them in Florida how good it was and that they had to see it. Viggo Mortensen plays a bouncer at the Copacabana in New York. And when the Copacabana is going under renovations or building improvements, what what have you, he's looking for work. And someone suggests him to Dr. Donald Shirley, a pianist, black pianist, that lives above Carnegie Hall. Uh, At first, it seems like Vigo uh, Mortensen isn't really... Interest in Vigo's character. Shoot, sorry, I shouldn't be calling him Vigo. Um, I, I should be calling him by Tony Lip. Uh, well, Tony, at first, you know, they show early on, this is 1962, it's not exactly a time where black and white mix all too well in this country, but uh, he's willing to put that aside for good money. So he takes the job, and uh, taking dr don shirley around the deep south when he goes on a tour uh because frankly he needs some muscle if he's going to be going into alabama and mississippi and performing and uh you know staying at hotels and stuff like that in towns where he's really not wanted uh it has the typical like feel good story vibes that you get in a lot of these you know quote-unquote racism is bad movies uh this was a true story it was written by uh tony lip's son so you gotta wonder because there are some people challenging this movie saying it's not exactly quite there um but again that's this is like family challenging saying like oh you know tony the him and tony weren't exactly as friendly as they as you think but again this is challenging afterwards because they wanted to make it seem like Tony was, you you're always going to get this. You know, this isn't like the challenge in in Bohemian Rhapsody where they said, oh, um, Freddie Mercury got AIDS, hugged all of his bandmates, and went on stage even after they broke up, none of that being true. You know, he didn't get AIDS until, or he wasn't diagnosed with AIDS until a couple years after the live aid performance. So, you know, basically doctoring that whole scene to make it look more, you know, whatever. But, uh, it, with this one, there are some challenges, uh, that, that are out there. So you gotta, you know, take that for what it's worth. But in terms of the movie itself, really good, really feel good movie. I thought the acting by both Mer- Mahershala Ali and Vigo Mortensen deserve to be nominated uh i'll get to predictions later but uh really great movie very feel good very interesting story and uh a good like family film to watch too because it's just i think anything from the 60s 70s and black and white america starting to come together is just great it makes me think of remember the titans even though it's 10 years before remember the titans so that's how bad it was in the country you know because think about how bad it was in remember the titans but very very good movie. I have it as the best of the of the nominated films, and I think uh, I think the world of it. Green Book got a ninety five in my in my book my book, and uh, I I I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, Roma tried tried hard, uh, but you know what? Black and white subtitles, slow movie. I'll, I'll give it up to Alfonso Cuarón because he makes good movies and I'll try and watch this again, but to be honest, it was hard for me to follow and say it should win Best Picture when uh, it was hard for me to pay attention, hard for me to get on board, but if it does win, you know what, I hope it does so that I'm forced to give it another shot and it would be great for Netflix to win one and so that they're with the big boys. It uh, does somewhat upset me because if Netflix does start winning major awards, uh, that hurts moviegoers. And as much as I don't want to be like old man Steven Spielberg, like, you know, shame on you, Netflixing, um, I will say I still want the movie theaters open and I still want to have the experience of going to the movies. And if Roma is getting nominated and winning awards, that does put a little bit of a damper on that. Uh, I will say... It, it shot really well. It's a it's a beautiful picture, but uh, I just I couldn't really get into it. So we'll see about that if it does take home any awards. I'll review it at a later date. Uh, a Star Is Born. Okay, uh, the seventh of the eight films nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I thought it was well done. I thought it was directed pretty well. I thought the acting by uh, Bradley Cooper was actually pretty good. Uh, I didn't think it was best. uh, I didn't think it deserved nomination for best actor. Uh, And I thought Lady Gaga's performance was pretty good too. I didn't like where the story went in the second half. So that's not on the director, that's more on just like the written plot of it. But. I thought the performances were really good. I thought it was shot so much better than Bohemian Rhapsody's performances were, um, and and almost I'd say they're even better than the Green Book musical performances were shot. I mean, I know those are much smaller settings, so it's easier to shoot those. But in terms of shooting a live audience type of scene, uh, I think Starsborn nailed it i think uh they tackled some really big issues that uh that i i i i mean i thought were really difficult to watch at times you know and him battling addiction and i thought it was uh and and depression um it really got me um it was a real tearjerker of a movie and i really felt the emotion and uh I thought that should all be taken into account when you're looking at the nominees and and when you, you know, because there's a big argument going on in my house right now. Uh, my girlfriend didn't think Lady Gaga was that good. She didn't like A Star is Born, the movie. She thought the song was good, but didn't think that it really deserved as much pub as it's getting. I disagree with her. I think it was well-done movie. I just didn't enjoy it as much as some people because I thought it was sad at times, and I looked at, like, you know, it was, it, uh, to me, it was a sad movie, and I and I didn't enjoy the sad movie all that much, but uh, I do think it was shot well. I thought it was a good movie. I thought the music was good. I thought the characters were believable, written well, and performed and acted out really well. Um, Lady Gaga did what they asked her to do, and Bradley Cooper did what they asked him to do. They made the acting roles of the two singers pretty basic and that's where i'll take away from making it a film because they didn't make complex characters you know they made bradley cooper battling addiction actually his character was a little bit more complex than hers hers was very basic uh i don't like how they flipped a switch with her and made her go from one second of not caring what the fuck anyone thought about her um, you know, cause like she starts out the movie, she's very superficial, she doesn't think she looks good enough to be on stage. Then the next moment she's like, fuck it, I'll do whatever. Then it's back to like, I need to be this like pop star thing. It was like way too much of a of a shift for her as a character. I thought Lady Gaga did a decent job of that, but I just didn't like what they were doing with her character, making her go from like songwriter to like teeny pop star it didn't it didn't resonate with me at all i didn't like that i did like the struggles that bradley cooper's character jackson main had to go through i thought it um it made his character a little bit deeper and i i commend him for doing a pretty good job of that i thought the movie was written really well i thought a star is born it was a good movie uh 88 in my book finally vice vice was my favorite in this category for a while Uh, tells a great story I am a huge Adam McKay fan and I try to keep that to a minimum right now when I'm giving it like a a role because I I won't judge all Adam McKay movies right now I'm just gonna judge this one Uh, throughout this entire film I kept forgetting I was watching Christian Bale and That's a testament to, A, the makeup and costuming, you know, job well done to transform him, but also, B, his acting in the film. You know, sometimes you watch a guy or a girl and you say, like, oh, that's Michael B. Jordan, that's Viggo Mortensen, that's Lady Gaga playing this person. But I never felt like it was Christian Bale playing Dick Cheney. When watching the movie, I felt like it was the Dick Cheney story, and I was watching it all unfold. And to me, that's huge props to the the acting. Um, a little heavy handedness with uh, you know, like the whole politics angle. I fucking hate movies about politics. I, I I I try to look past it so much, but then like I always remember that. Everyone has an angle that they're playing and they want to make things look worse or better for their personal gain. So I'm trying to ignore that when doing Vice because I enjoyed the movie. I really liked it. I thought it was a really cool story. I thought I, I really liked the whole Jesse Plemons character aspect of it. Um, really wish they made this one the one with Ryan Gosling where he was telling the story because I thought. Uh, like they they could have did more with uh, the celebrities with, like that like they did in um, uh, the big short but it was a it was a good movie it was I thought Steve Carell was pretty good and Sam Rockwell was pretty good not like best supporting actor good but I thought they played their roles well um, Steve Carell I don't really know much about Donald Rumsfeld I felt like Steve Carell was just doing his own thing out there, and I thought um, Sam Rockwell was doing an impression of somebody's impression of Bush, so, you know, take that as you will, but I still felt like, very entertaining movie, uh, and it was just, it was a fun watch altogether, I gave this one a 91 on the scale, Oh, and Starsborn Born was way too high. It, it it didn't deserve an 88. It was more like an 80, uh, 84. And Bohemian Rhapsody was high 70s for me. Uh, but Vice, 91, good movie. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I reviewed this back in November when I saw it for the first time. Uh, with that being said, those are my movie reviews for the Oscars. Uh, I really enjoyed this year's crop of films. I have a lot on the line this year as we watch the Oscars because there are some that I feel very strongly for and against. That being said, let's go through my predictions The coulda, shoulda, wouldas. For best picture, uh, I would like to see Green Book win. I thought it was really good. Uh, do I think it should win? Uh, I Maybe. I thought, I thought it was right there with Vice And, uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I'm going to say Green Book should win, but it seems like there's a lot of negative publicity about right now, so it's not going to win. What's going to win? It's going to be Bohemian Rhapsody. It's going to be this Bohemian Crapsody, as some like to say, me. Uh, it's just, it's got too much momentum right now, and it's going to win this award, and I'm going to be really pissed. I wish it was Green Book, uh, Should be Vice or Green Book or possibly even Roma, but it's going to be Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Best actor in a leading role. You got Christian Bale uh, in Vice, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, and Willem Dafoe in At Eternity's Gate. I did not see At Eternity's Gate. So, sorry Willem Dafoe. Cannot, cannot, uh, you know, comment on your acting in that. I thought Bradley Cooper did a good job. Doesn't deserve uh, the award, though. I would put this between, I think Vigo Mortensen did a great job, too, but he's not going to get it this year. It's going to go to the best impersonation. I think Rami Malek's going to win this one over Christian Bale, even though I thought Christian Bale's performance was much better than Rami Malek's. So uh I hope Christian Bale wins. I think he should win. I think Remy Malik will win. Actors in a leading role. Uh Yalitza Apricio for Roma. Again, didn't see much of it. Didn't really encapsulate me. I'm sure she did a great job. Glenn Close, the wife. Again, did not see the wife. I heard great things, and it sounds like she's getting all the momentum right now. Olivia Coleman for The Favourite. She took home the... Uh, Golden Globe, something to consider for Olivia Colman. Uh, Lady Gaga, A Star is Born, again, thought she did an all right job, but nope, not going to win the Academy Award. And then Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Hearing great things from Melissa McCarthy this year. Uh, doesn't feel like it's going to be her role. Uh, I'd love to see her win, but you know, considering I haven't seen all these films, it's tough for me to say. Uh, I think Glenn Close will win. Sounds like she should win. Would like to see Melissa McCarthy win, though. Actor in a supporting role. You got Mahershala Ali in Green Book. Adam Driver in Black Klansman. Sam Elliott in A Star is Born. Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Sam Rockwell for Vice. Uh, Love this crop. Would love to see it go to any of these five guys because I'm a big Rockwell, Elliott, and Adam Driver fan. Really like Mahershala Ali. I, I he's Everything he's in, he takes very seriously and he brings it every single time. So I'm a big fan of Ali. And Richard E. Grant, um, I know the lights, camera guys love him. I think he's a good actor. Um, <laughs> I Again, I didn't see Can You Ever Forgive Me? So I don't know if he's going to win. But that would be something if he pulled that home. I thought Adam Driver was really good. I don't think he was as good as Mahershala Ali. I thought Sam Elliott was good, but... Sam Elliott brought to the table what he always brings. So if they give it to him this year, it feels like it's more of a lifetime achievement award and not exactly best supporting actor because he wasn't really in the movie a whole lot. Sam Rockwell, very fun. Again, not in the movie a whole lot and uh, wasn't on the same level as Mahershala Ali. So I'm going to give this up to Ali. I'm going to say he should win. I'm going to say he will win. And uh and I'd like to see any of these guys win, so I am I'm cool with this going anyway. Uh this isn't like the other ones, uh, you know, best actor and best picture where I have some like very big feelings. Uh best supporting actress. Amy Adams for Vice, Marina De Tavira for Roma, Regina King for If Bill Street Could Talk, Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss for the Favorite. Uh again big Amy Adams fan for Vice I think she did a really good job but she always acts this well uh, so I I think um, you know for her to get credit for this one whereas she's had much better performances in the past not much better she's had better performances in the past uh, I, I don't I don't think she will take it home this time Emma Stone Rachel Weiss I didn't see the favorite I didn't see if Beale Street could talk for Regina King and I didn't see Roma. Like, enough of it to give it to Marina de Tavira. Uh, I'd, I'm i cool with anyone taking it home on this one, too. I think who's going to win? This one's tough. This one might be the one that they give up to Regina King. And uh, I, I'd be pumped to see her win. She took home a Golden Globe this year. Uh, I feel like maybe the favorite might f- split some votes there. But, uh... I think uh, I'd be happy with a lot of people winning this one. Regina King, a lot of great pub coming out of that movie. She should and probably will win. Best animated feature film. You've got Incredibles two, you've got Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph wrecks the internet or breaks the internet, and Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Look, Spider Verse was an amazing movie, one of the best ones of the year. It should be nominated for Best Picture over Bohemian Rhapsody. It's just a better movie. Uh, whether you're into superheroes or not, doesn't matter. It was a better movie, and it was shot really cool and done in ways that no one has ever done before. I, uh, I hope it wins. I think it should win. I don't think it will win because they'll give it to Isle of Dogs. Because Wes Anderson shit always always bums me out, <laughs> but uh, I hope I really hope Spider Man wins. I I if I had to if I had to like use my uh, mulligan on any of them that I that didn't go my way, I would use it on this one because I think it deserves it the most. All right, next up we got cinematography. Uh, Cold War, Roma, A Star Is Born, The Favorite. And never look away. Um, Actually, I don't really care about any of the other ones. I guess directing is the last one I'll predict. Black Landsman, Roma, Vice, The Favorite, and Cold War. I think Roma's going to win Alfonso Cuaron. There has been an incredible run on Mexican directors the last few years this might make five in seven years if he were to win so that'd be pretty cool i do think this is the spike lee year though i think he's gonna get enough of a shout out and he's gonna take this one home but uh yeah it's it's gonna be interesting gonna be a lot of fun watching the oscars i'll have a lot of stakes in it this year because i got to see so many of the of the films so let's see how you do uh whether you're listening to this on iTunes or um, wherever you're listening, comment on my Facebook, on the comment section, on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. What are your predictions of the show? Who do you think should win, will win? C- give it all. Give it. Give, tell me what you think because uh, I'm really interested this year and I'll be watching Sunday. I'll stay up late on Sunday night checking this one out. Okay. So, um, before I finish up, I wanted to do a real quick bonus OMMR and a quick top five. My top five this year is going this week, sorry. Uh, we're going back to the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, I don't really I, I know the time has kind of passed at this point, but there were some really good ones this year. My number five favorite was the Jason Bateman uh, Hyundai ad where he was the elevator operator. operator. I thought it was very funny, Uh, clever to make it seem like you keep on going down into hell to all these bad things like the dentist and the DMV and uh, all that, and then you're going up when you're getting Hyundai. Cute, funny ad. Uh, Number four is Pepsi. Okay, look, you used three celebrities, including it wasn't just Steve Carell; it was like Steve Carell as Michael Scott. Um, I thought it was fun, and and you know it got people talking about it, and you definitely know what ad it is you know, it's important, was it actually funny, do I remember your product, will I use your product now, can this become a new campaign, does it make sense for the product, these are all questions I ask when I'm watching your commercial, because there are a lot of really weird ones out there, but, um, I thought it was, I thought it was good enough, actually, no, fuck that, no, uh, that is out, and instead, I'm putting in the, uh, Colgate, like, close talker ad with Luke Wilson, he was really good, Yeah, that's number four now. That's in there. Number three, the Backstreet Boys and Chance the Rappers collaboration into Doritos. Awesome. Well done. You get people talking about Backstreet Boys. Everyone likes Chance the Rapper too. He's really funny. It's all about new meets old. Great ad. Awesome. Hope your product's good, Doritos. Number two, the Microsoft Gamer ad. This one was really good because it like, you know, tugged at like your heartstrings. Um I uh, I have a soft spot in my heart to uh, you know any uh, you know kids with disabilities and uh, I think getting a commercial where you know you uh, basically allow kids of you know that have to deal with anything get to play video games against everyone it just gets us you know get to see them so happy I thought that was a really great ad and good on Microsoft uh, to. to go out of their way and make sure that everybody can play video games by designing these uh, easy-to-use controllers. So that's a, that's pretty awesome, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, my number one ad... It's not exactly a pull-at-the-heartstrings type ad, but it's the Bud Light Game of Thrones crossover ad. Yeah, uh, it was the Oberyn Tyrell head-smashing scene, but instead this was... Uh, the Bud Knight and it was just pretty, it was just a really well done scene they did almost like shot for shot what the scene went down like when uh the when the mountain crushed in's face and b- popped his brain out uh and his wife or girlfriend was screaming and Tyrion was watching so displeased and oh man what a scene that was in the show and it just got everybody back ready to roll for Game of Thrones, and uh, since I've been missing it for so long, obviously that's going to take the cake. So, but some really good ads this year. There were um, there were like fifty something ads done. I thought the uh, the Skittle Therapy one was a good ad. I thought the To Febreze ad was also good. Christina Applegate, I'm a fan of. She did M Ms. Um, expensive i had like a music video there were some really good ads uh, and the amazon one was very popular uh it was the best part of the game best part of the super bowl this year were the ads and the apps uh so yeah and that was that was it uh last few things i want to get to browns drafts up that's coming soon not this week but coming soon we're gonna be talking draft uh after the oscars pass also, I want a new intro song, so for my next season, which starts in April, season three of The Jake, I want to be told what my new intro song is going to be, and I want to hear from my fans what you guys think, so comment what you want the new intro song to be, what do you think it should be, maybe maybe it's uh, some Bruce Springsteen, maybe it's some Tina Turner, Maybe it's a Melinda Carlisle. Who knows? I can go anyway, guys. Seriously. Speak now. So let me know what you think I should do for a new intro song. Going to have a lot of guests on in the coming months, whether it's MLB action, the NFL draft, a lot of fun things, new things in store. Uh, but thank you again for listening. Oh, actually, no, one more. We're doing a bonus OMMR. All right? This one goes out to Polar, Netflix original movie. Now, when I first saw the ad for Polar, I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's like John Wick in Alaska, right? Wrong. Okay, so the plot to Polar is that Mads Mikkelsen is a 49-year-old hitman, assassin, and he is on the brink of retirement. When you turn 50, you have to retire, but... You get your pension uh, from your company, the assassin company that they never really cover. Um, so his pension is $8 million because he's invested the maximum amount that he could have. Now, his boss can't pay him, so his boss hires all the other assassins to take him out. While they make the movie look like it's going to be John Wick, in all the Mads Mickelson scenes where he's in the cold, it's quiet, it's dark. It's scary. And then all the scenes with his dumbass boss, who might be the worst created character in the history of television, or Netflix, or movies, whatever, it was it was all colorful. It was like the Tim Burton Batman. And it was bad acting and a stupid storyline and like really dumb lines. They had people cutting off heads and like punting the head 40 yards. They had a guy get shot in the chest like 30 times and live and like have dumb lines afterwards. Like it was literally two movies directed at one. Okay. So it was basically, here's how I like to say this movie was, um, it was a fan of Smoke and Aces and Tim Burton films, but wanted to make John Wick and they filmed Half of the movie, the way that John Wick was supposed to be filmed, and then for the second half of the movie, they just said, nah, fuck it, Uh, I'm going back to what I know how to do, and that's colorful, weird, gross, disgusting kills. Now, there are good scenes from this movie. There is one scene where Mads Mikkelsen kills like 13 guys in a hallway, and it is just fucking awesome. It is straight out of one of the best action scenes I've seen, period. And then it goes right into this dumb boss who is, like... Imagine peak Drew Carey mixed with, like, the Riddler. It was very strange and, like, just not funny and no direction and, like, very disgusting and weird. Such a strange movie because at times... It was like a cross between Sin City and John Wick, and other times it was basically smoking aces on LSD. I uh, don't have much to say about the movie more than that. At times we thought it was satire. Like, was it making fun of like, was it basically like not another teen movie but for assassin movies? It wasn't, but it seemed like that. They even got him a dog, like in John Wick. Like, that's how much they wanted it to be like John Wick, where they got him a dog, but then they killed off the dog immediately, accidentally, though. It's a very, just a very strange approach they all took. And, uh, yeah, I I, I was speechless watching this movie. But, uh, it, you have to watch it. It's on Netflix, it's called Polar, and it has some really awesome action scenes, and then it has some of the dumbest scenes you'll ever see in your life. Anyway... That's my show. Thank you for listening to the Jake Oscar Preview Special. Uh, next week, we'll change it up a little bit. We'll have all the categories around, and uh, it won't just be about movies. But thank you for listening. Comment on what you want my new intro song to be or what you want me to talk about. Email me. Shoot me a call. Want to leave a voicemail or whatever to get onto the show? You can do that, all right? Contact me at the Jake Pod. And uh, let's get you set up. Thank you for listening. Talk to you guys next week.